0: Welcome back to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. It's the podcast that teaches you as much as you have been pretending to know about wine. I am Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. Alrighty. Well, let's see. Wine check, tea check, water check, microphone check. All right, let's do this thing. And welcome back. It's been a while. It has been a bit. It has definitely been a bit. And we're going to jump right into it. Uh, But first, I want to get a little bit of housekeeping stuff right out of the way. We got a new iTunes review. And I just want to bring it up because I'm so grateful, David, that you left a review. Thank you, David. And if anybody else wants to go leave us an iTunes review, uh, that would be super duper appreciated. And you'll probably get a shout out, too. So thank you again to everyone who has left a review. So far including David, who left one the most recently uh and also speaking of that, if you guys want to go ahead and follow us on Instagram, our instagram is ready ready it's dad teaches me about wine one word exactly how you think it's spelled uh, that's also our email address if you have any questions, Dad teaches me about wine at gmail.com all right done do you have any announcements that you really
1: <laughs> other than uh... We've just returned from a trip to
0: Peru, yeah mm-hmm. and
1: had an opportunity to explore a lot of the wines of South America.
0: yeah we we just did a little trip to Peru, uh, traveled all around and drank some wine. and then also I guess another interesting announcement is that next week, Dad, what are you doing next weekend?
1: Next weekend, I'm taking my um, certified song
0: test. All right, good luck. In Cleveland. It's supposed to be pretty hard
1: um reasonably so yeah two-thirds pass rate
0: well i think everyone is wishing you the best of luck thank you so we'll have to do an episode so i think we're gonna the way we had talked about doing this was maybe two um episodes on south american wines right correct one cool weather grapes and one warmer weather grapes in
1: in the opposite order
0: okay so this one's warmer weather and next episode will be cooler weather and then maybe we could do an episode on, I guess the your psalm test, but not even the test so much as the new like, flavor thing, like the way you had to study for the test, the, your new approach to drinking wine that you developed in, to study for the test. That's fine. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get into it because I feel like this is getting really talk shoppy. I just wanted everyone to get into the know what's going on and also i just want to thank you guys for your patience because we have we really did take a couple weeks off of this while we were traveling and getting to everything together and um we don't have a ton of opportunities to to sit down and record this so we appreciate uh your patience and we're back and better than ever i promise so south american wines let's start how i think we usually start by drinking the wine right sure it's been a while i forget so yeah, shall so we so All right, I like it.
1: So this wine is called Cheval des Andes, Cheval de Andes, and it's actually a um, it's actually a cooperative wine between the uh, house of Cheval Blanc, which is in Bordeaux.
0: That's a famous producer. Very,
1: very famous producer in Son. In France. In France. In, in Bordeaux.
0: <laughs> Man, I said that like an American. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: it's in Bordeaux. Okay. Chevron Blanc is the um has uh two um notices in the movie industry. One is it's the bottle of wine that uh, Miles drinks at the end of
0: uh Sideways. Man, Sideways. they really need to sponsor us because we've shouted them out like yeah. Exactly. Every other episode. And the
1: 1947 Shovel Blanc was
0: featured in Bebet. the movie Ratatouille. Oh, Ratatouille! Ratatouille!
1: Yeah. Which uh, apparently was a miraculous wine. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to taste it. But anyway. It'd be over
0: the hill if you found it now, wouldn't it? Um, maybe
1: not. But I don't know how much is left. And if you ever found one, it'd be probably 10, 20 grand. But. In any event, uh, the folks at Cheval uh, got together with uh, some uh, producers in um, Argentina, and this is a uh, oh. uh, this is a, a combination of Malbec and uh, Cabernet.
0: Okay, so did you know about this wine before we went to South America?
1: Yes, I actually bought it before. It was
0: okay, so there. this is something you were drinking before.
1: Well, not a lot of, so Mm -hmm. um, I think it's useful to take a step back and uh, sort of get an overview of South America wine production. All right, so So, everyone
0: pull out your map of South America. Yeah, pull out your map of South
1: America, and you only have to worry about the southern half. Okay. Because only Chile and Argentina uh, really produce uh, wines that are imported into the United States. Okay. So um, when we're in Peru... Uh, Peru actually does have a uh, burgeoning yeah. wine industry. Uh-huh. Um, their main wine producer is called Tacama. Uh, you can find it in virtually all the restaurants. Can you in, find it in, in
0: America? In, no. Really?
1: I don't believe so. I don't believe it's imported into the United States. It's kind of um, an indigenous producer and the wines themselves are, they're Okay. And they tend to be like Sauvignon Blanc. And, I was going to uh, say. They tend to be, uh, you know, a big international uh, grapefruit. Yeah, I
0: definitely tried some of that. Right. Like it was on the train and stuff. Yep. 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 All right. Oh, man. Now I just want to talk about our trip. Not even the wine part of our trip. I just want to talk. You guys need to go on my Instagram. I'm at Berggal, B-U-R-G-H-G-A-L. Because the train we went on was amazing. Uh, Belmont was the company. It was amazing. But back to the wine. Back to the wine.
1: So um, what I thought we would do is talk about the warm weather grapes in South America for the for the first section.
0: So, per, so yeah, this is one. in Argentina and Chile?
1: Yeah. So they'll both be Chile and Argentina, and a lot of people associate those countries with basically just warm weather grapes. So Cab and uh, Malbec. So mm-hmm. Chile, primarily Cabernet. Mm-hmm. With some um, uh, some other cab like uh, varietals, uh, specifically Carmenere, which is a uh, Bordeaux mixing grape, but in Chile has become a big a big thing. Okay. And in Argentina, Argentina is known for Malbec. Okay. Malbec again, typically a mixing grape for Bordeaux. Yep. Um, but it's coming to the fore in, uh, so in Argentina. So is
0: this one a Malbec? Did you, I'm sorry, I forget. Did you say that the, what we're drinking? It's
1: about two-thirds, one-third Malbec cab.
0: And the is, house that is the is Cheval did, in Bordeaux, did you say that?
1: A, the, the Cheval people are.
0: Yeah, so they're used to and they using Malbec a, grapes then.
1: Yeah, presumably. I mean, they they're used to making Bordeaux blends.
0: Yeah, so they right. they make okay. So it makes sense that they would do something like this in South America. Yeah. Or were yeah. they just like bored?
1: <laughs> or both? No. no, I I think it's a, a lot. There are a number of Bordeaux entities that have gone into. Oh really? South America. I wonder uh, because why. Because of the strong, well, because of this, the strong representation of cab, type. Uh, Uh, Grapes. So uh, this actually comes from an area around Mendoza uh, called the uh, Lujan de Cuyo. Okay. So uh, around Mendoza, there's the Uco Valley and the Lujan de Cuyo. So these are like sub regions around Mendoza.
0: Wine regions or just region regions?
1: No, regions. They're just like like on a map, it would say. Yeah.
0: Oh, they're AV, okay.
1: So so they're the equivalent of uh, Argentinian AVAs.
0: Don't they call it D.O. there?
1: Um, I don't recall exactly. I think
0: the bottle you showed me today said D.O. on it, but... Well,
1: they, they may.
0: So. Okay, it hardly matters, but... So there is some sort of national governing body, though, in both Chile and Argentina? Right. For their wine?
1: Right, in terms of establishing geographic borders.
0: So, you're naming some big um warm weather grape regions in both these countries?
1: Well, we were talking about Argentina in terms of yeah the, uh, in terms of those two areas around Mendoza, so Mendoza tends to be the um the area where most of the malbec and cab is made, so that's kind of it's in a desert plain to the east of the andes
0: hot, right? hot hot hot, hot. Although
1: the way that they counter that is that most of the uh, vineyards are up at like a thousand meters, fifteen hundred meters. So these are these are up way up in the hills, uh, and they have a lot of diurnal variation. So that gives some acidity to the, All right.
0: so, the so the these are two are there other really big regions for this? So type of that's
1: we were talking about Argentina, which is on yeah. the right side. Of the Andes, yeah. so on the left side of the Andes is Chile,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and within Chile, the the warm, uh, warm weather grapes tend to get produced in what's called the Central Valley, which runs for about one hundred fifty miles south of Santiago.
0: So okay. Santiago
1: is the capital of Chile, and then it sits in a in a valley between the coastal range and the Andes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's a very narrow valley. I yeah. mean it's like thirty miles or something. I think you can see the mountains to either side. Um, really. And the it's a very warm area because it's it's shielded from the Pacific elements by the mountains <clears throat> by the coastal range.
0: Yeah, and this so this this is around Santiago. This is a big wine area.
1: Yeah, it's called the Central Valley.
0: Do you think that these? wine areas have sprung up somewhat out of convenience? Like, they're close to the these big cities because it's convenient or because it's a good area to grow wine?
1: Oh, I think it's probably some element of both. Yeah. I mean, you know, in reality, the wine areas have grown up right next to the capitals of both of these yeah. countries.
0: Yeah, right. So I'm sure there's plenty of random nooks and crannies in that country that are potentially growing great wine. Well,
1: ultimately, those nooks and crannies were utilized. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, in terms of where things began. So within uh, Chile, uh, Chile uh, didn't embrace Malbec, but really went full bore for cab wines. Okay. So uh, there are... Huge producers there, but uh, also um, quality producers like country tora make some very expensive cabs, and it's um, there are sub areas the uh, mepo and Rapel uh, valleys Can and, we- and again, these are at uh, these are typically planted in the foothills. And the vineyards are usually at three, four, five thousand feet.
0: Interesting, um, I bet. Yeah, I bet that's because if they were just right there on the ground, they'd be fry up. Do you think they'd get way too hot?
1: Well, the the and that and the grapes wouldn't be terribly interesting because you would lose the acidity because you get oh, the acidity okay. from the mountain from foil? the diurnal, the diurnal variation because in the mountains it gets cold at night.
0: Oh okay. Um, what? How do you find that these cabs and Malbecs compare to? A maybe a California cab or an Australian Malbec?
1: Well, you're not going to find an Australian Malbec.
0: New um, Zealand Malbec? Uh, no. Where? Oh, it's only South America?
1: It's either South America or in France, in cahors near the Spanish border. All
0: right, it's fine. I'll just edit myself saying that out. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how um, does this
0: com- compare to a California cab?
1: Yeah, I think um the fruits are not as big and round as California. Really? And the wines tend to be more tannic. Um especially the malbecs. Um the um nebbiolo grape from Italy uh takes the cake for the most gripping tannins of any red wine, but malbec comes pretty close. So, uh especially in young wines, You might potentially uh, get lockjaw from the, from the tannins from the from the Malbecs, especially out of, uh, Argent uh, you know, Argentina.
0: Interesting. So, did you discover? So you said that this bottle, Cheval de Andes. It makes sense that this is something, especially if this is a famous house in France, that you'd know about it in South America. What like did you learn about South American wine f- from being in Peru? M- very much? Or... Well,
1: it gave me an opportunity to taste a lot more South American wines than I ordinarily would. I would say just about every wine that I had the week that we were there was South American. Mm-hmm. There was no point in buying an American wine. Or a North American wine. Yeah, imagine while that. we were in South America, that 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 didn't make any sense. No, we
0: did have a, some crazy wines at Central. Maybe at the end of the episode, we should talk about Central.
1: Um, that we can. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not all those wines were South American. No. Yeah, um, I guess what I really learned was more the cool weather areas because they are poorly represented in the United States as far as. Um, as far as availability.
0: Um, interesting. But so did you find like a whole bunch of little guys? Oh, you kind of didn't. I think you came there expecting, okay. And in, in America, we get the big guys, but like all the big famous ones, but maybe when I'm down there, I'll be able to discover a whole bunch of little guys who are doing a great job, but don't get imported to the U S but I, that didn't seem to be the situation.
1: No, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the big, um, uh, distributors like uh, Montes, for instance.
0: What country is that? Uh, uh,
1: I believe that's Chile. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Unfortunately, the big distributors were also massively represented um, in South really? America. Really. So most of the wines that got poured, just sort of as passing wines, uh, tended to be these you know big houses. Right, they already knew of. Really didn't have a whole lot of. Uh, a, a whole lot of interest in them. Um, the other wine that, that's big down there that is utterly unknown in the United States is the Torrantes mm-hmm. uh, grape. And we had a little bit of Torrantes when we were down there.
0: Where else is Torrantes grown?
1: So Torrantes uh, is primarily, well, it's actually grown in both Chile and Argentina, but it's uh, its biggest representation is in northern Argentina,
0: in what's called the Salta uh, area. I thought you were going to say it was like a Spanish grape they brought over. No, no, it's indigenous. Interesting.
1: Yeah, it's an indigenous grape, and it makes a white wine that's a little bit uh, herbal, vegetal. Kind
0: of like that.
1: Well, it's a very distinctive uh, (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Um, I I, I have to tell the story uh, for our uh, listeners that... uh, We went into this little tiny obscure wine and cheese shop in uh, in Lima
0: La Gastronoma. If you're going, Gastronoma.
1: Yeah, if if, you're going,
0: (laughs) if you're going to Lima, go to La Gastronoma. It was lovely.
1: So we originally went in there to buy a bottle of gin, some Andean gin, and wound up staying because they had a beautiful cheese presentation. Yeah, and they said they could pour some wine, and the the fellow who ran the shop. you know, I asked him, oh, "Can we get some wine with our cheese?" And he was uh, like,
0: "Absolutely, I'll abso- sell you yeah, wine." Everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and he said, "Oh, I have this really favorite wine that I that I like that nobody knows about uh, here." And I said, "Oh, what what is that?" And he said, "Torantes." I said, well, "Torantes." Of course, I know about Tarantes.
0: Oh well, Dad, like <laughs> yeah, I know my stuff.
1: So uh, it's it's not a uh, it's not widely distributed, but um, you can find it in the United States. You can I might look out I, for I bought, that. Yeah. I'm sure
0: it's really inexpensive. Uh,
1: it, it is. It's like sub twenty bucks. Yeah, I, I have found it uh, in a couple of different places in the United States.
0: So. I gotta admit, I liked it with our cheese. Sitting, so we sat on a patio, ate the wine and some cheese. That's a good summer. Yeah, thing actually, right that there. was
1: a really uh, interesting bottle because. Uh, what they did was a what's called a ripasso uh, technique where they actually dried out the grapes before they vinified them, um, so it was a kind of a unique uh, take on uh, on the grape.
0: So, um, but t- it's
1: another uh, more what mother? I term ABC wine, anything but Chardonnay. Uh, I know. So, if you're looking at a list, uh
0: I say, guys, you're probably, if you're listening to this, you might be shopping on my level. I say, go find yourself a bottle of Torontes, get some cheese, enjoy it on a patio. It was a good experience. Is that a warm-weather grape? It is. Okay.
1: Although it's grown really high elevation.
0: Do you want to rename those regions around uh, Mendoza and Santiago again? These famous regions people should look out for? Uh,
1: Okay, so the... Around Mendoza, there is the Mendoza uh-huh. IGT, the the general area. There is the Lujan de Cuyo, and then there's the uh, Uco Valley. These are all around Mendoza.
0: Okay, and, and they these,
1: should. And these are warm weather grapes, so these are Malbec and right. Cab.
0: And people should also look out for Torantes from Argentina.
1: Torrantes from Argentina from the Salta. Uh, area and the sub region to look out for is Calafate.
0: Calafate. And then, can you remind me in Chile what in the. In Chile,
1: so we're just south of Santiago in the uh, so called Central Valley. And within the Central Valley, you have uh, the Mapo me- uh, Valley and Rapal uh, Valley areas.
0: Okay. Perfecto. Well, if anyone has any questions about wine in general, but also South American wine, uh, we'll be excited to talk about that with you. So shoot us an email, dadteachesmeaboutwine at gmail.com. You can find out more about us on our Instagram, at dadteachesmeaboutwine. Other than that, I think we're good. Thanks guys, cheers.